0: I'm the arena announcer for the Utah Jazz. Time now to talk about the Utah Jazz and the NBA on the Salt Lake Tribune Jazz Podcast. How about this jazz? And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's meet Eric Walden, Andy Larson, and Joel Cardenas.
1: Welcome back to the How About This Jazz Podcast. My name is Joel Cardenas, your co-host and moderator. Joining me, as always, is Tribune Jazz beat writers Andy Larson and Eric Walden. How are you guys doing today?
2: Oh, I'm great. I've been uh, teasing Eric all day on uh, his hatred of a Bill Withers classic.
0: Yeah. I mean, just because the song is well known and old <laughs> doesn't make it classic. Uh, I was on the plane coming back from Utah Jazz training camp in Las Vegas. And as uh, people were boarding, they were playing over the loudspeakers. Lovely day. Lovely day. Lovely day. Lovely yeah, day. And then it's a great song. Re- repeat that like, Thirty seven thousand times and uh one yeah. for each foot in the air. When I wake
2: up in the morning sun.
0: <laughs> a it's a good lovely day. A lovely day. Lovely day. Lovely. Yeah, lovely it's a great song. Lo- like, and- it just repeats the same thing a million times.
1: <laughs> just FYI, we will be at karaoke night one of these nights and you can hear Andy and Eric sing. So just we FYI. did that once. Yeah. Do you That's wanna will you tell an- that story? Oh
0: god. So That was your birthday. I think it was my 40th birthday. My wife was throwing me a surprise party at a bar with a a karaoke night. And I was uh, several drinks in and I'm not known for singing publicly, which I never have. I've never done karaoke. And all of a sudden, uh, like on the screen of like the next people up, Eric W. (laughs) And I'm like, what the hell is this? And yeah, my wife had like, snuck off while I was talking to someone at my birthday party and um, signed me up for karaoke uh, to do Sweet Child of Mine, which...
2: Guns N' Roses is one of your favorite bands.
0: Guns N' Roses is is my favorite band. Favorite, sorry. And Sweet Child of Mine is my favorite song. But Axl Rose has this very distinct, high-pitched scream that, like, not many <laughs> people can pull off, including me, especially or even when I am uh, drunk off my... Behind. See,
2: but that you were that you were there at at a intoxication level, most people that gives them more confidence. You're like, I know that you know, I know the song, this is my favorite song. I'm ready to sing it. I know I can you know, but let's let's give it a shot. But that wasn't your situation whatsoever.
0: I am not a public performer. And so even with like, yeah, you would think like liquid courage liquid courage would kick in. No. Like that's happened before in situations. I've had the liquid courage effect, but like I'm not a public performer. And so, like, <laughs> just seeing my name on that screen just was, like, instant terror. I get up on the stage. Apparently, like, I was trying to do, like, the high pitch axle whale, And, like, apparently nobody could hear me. Dude, you were whispering. And so Andy, like, jumped up on stage
2: and, like, helped me out and... This, I mean, just needed energy, you know, like this, this podcast is public performing though, right, Eric? No, we are
0: in, (laughs) we are in a, we have thousands thousands of people listening. Yes, but are they all in here watching us do this? There are
2: far more people listening to this podcast than we're at the bar watching you sing poorly. But they are not
0: in here as we're doing it. It's that's that Joel is in the room Andy is in the room i am in the room <laughs> i represent the
1: thousands it. of jazz fans here yeah. that are listening in
0: so. do you have like all those multiple personalities like staring at me while i'm talking Some
1: questions we don't ask yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah anyway that's <laughs> well, that story all right well all right all right well we'll we'll talk about karaoke another day for sure We'll get back to it, but let's dive into a little bit of jazz business here. If not, so today we're talking about jazz training camp. We're also going to talk about how Rudy Gay's injury changes things up or not to the same season start. And also we're going to talk a little bit about some of, uh, some of the seven burning questions that uh, Andy asked about the jazz season in a recent article. But let's kick things off. Eric, you went down to Vegas, jazz training camp. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, Vegas is
0: a fun time. Uh, I was not expecting have to go to vegas for training camp that was it was kind of a late announcement that it was going to happen this way but um andy had been to vegas twice this summer already and didn't want to go again so i happily volunteered it was a good time the jazz were uh set up in the win las vegas hotel it's a, it's a really labyrinthine corridor you have to walk down to get to their series of ballrooms and then they have like these multiple interconnected rooms and um albert hall who is the co-founder of the Las Vegas Summer League, and he now runs an event and marketing company called Hall Pass Media, set them up with kind of this this situation at the Wynn Hotel. They had two courts set up next to each other. One was the old Purple Mountain design. The other was the uh, City Edition court design. And, you know, they were practicing in these opulent ballrooms with chandeliers hanging down. You know, Um, Joe Ingles joked about if he were in that room when he was 17, he probably would have kicked a basketball just to see if he could break a chandelier. But um, fortunately, now he's uh, older and maybe a little wiser. Anyway, it, it was kind of a weird setup, right? Like did it,
1: did it have a vibe of like the the bubble, like lino?
0: That that's what they were going for, right? So that's that's what Quinn Snyder said he was going for. He wanted to get everyone out of Salt Lake City where they'd show up to practice they'd practice for a few hours and then they'd all disperse and go their separate ways, go home, go home to their kids, whatever. He wanted to put them in an environment where they were going to be around each other nonstop. Right? So everything they were doing was in the hotel, right? So unless like at the end of the night, they wanted to go gamble elsewhere. They didn't need to leave the hotel at all. The rooms were there, get in an elevator, come down a few floors, walk a couple minutes and you're in the gym and that was the point of it, you know. It was uh, getting everyone together, doing the bonding. Quinn said he felt like he really wanted to get everyone together to kind of address whatever lingering aftermath there was from from the Clipper series. He felt like since everyone had scattered, he wanted everyone together to kind of discuss that and 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 settle whatever lingering things were left from that.
2: Which I think was super interesting, actually. Yeah. Like that, it's it's funny to remember back. That happened so fast, right? Like the Jazz were up two nil in the second round of the of the playoffs against a healthy Clippers team. And we're in a great position, right? Yeah. And then in four straight games in a week, it was done. And everyone went home the next morning, Uh, you know, and you know, we we zoomed the players on their end of media availabilities from their houses and, yeah, scattered to the Olympics, scattered to their hometowns. Some of them obviously stayed in Salt Lake City. But, like, that was, uh, I think, even, it, you know, as it was, I think, for Jazz fans, I think it was, like, semi-traumatic for the Jazz players, too, right? Like, not only did they lose, but, like, lost in that fashion where, again, you gave up another huge comeback in a series, and 3-1 against the Nuggets, 2-0 against the Clippers. And then Game 6, you were up 25 and completely and totally and unforgivably collapsed right like it was not reason you know you gave up 170 offensive rating in that in that second half to the clippers it's it's impossible how bad you played in that second half so i think like instead of running from that and instead of like hey look that is that loss is a part of this team's story and how do you move on from that and how do you recover from that and how do you bounce back i think is an interesting conversation to have you know i think of like the 2013 San Antonio Spurs, right? Like you're up in game six, you give up a, a tough rebound. And all of a sudden Ray Allen hits a corner three and ties the game and, you know, gives them a second chance at life. Right. The Spurs were devastated after that. They admitted that. Right. And then 2014, they go out and absolutely crush the NBA. Right. They, they crush the NBA. They win the NBA finals in five games. I mean, have one of the best seasons of all time. And you know, they've, talked very publicly about that moment of reckoning that was re- required in order to make that happen. And I think, you know, the Jazz aren't at the San Antonio Spurs level. They don't have the Tim Duncan. They don't have Greg, you know, the, it's it's a different setup. But, yeah. like, I think that moment of understanding of what happened and then understanding how to move forward together as a team can potentially be valuable.
0: Yeah. I mean, to your point, like, as an outsider, as as someone who covers the team but is not part of the team, like... That playoff loss feels so long ago, right? Like, and it's very easy, I think, for fans to just like kind of sweep it away as saying, well, Donovan wasn't 100%, Mike wasn't 100%, and and to just like rationalize it that way and let it go that way. Clearly, these guys did not feel the same way. They they felt like, you know, there was still kind of a, a stink lingering over the whole thing that they're like, yeah let's talk about this let's talk about what happened let's talk about what we do going forward to make it not happen again
2: and and i might disagree that it feels like a long time ago to me anyway like maybe because it's a shorter off season or whatever but like agreed it's the last time they play basketball together and yeah i mean just that building and that moment i mean it was it i I don't know haunting isn't the right word but that feels like there are ghosts involved but like I, it, it it was significant. It was a significant failure and in the latest in a line of significant failures for this team in the playoffs quite frankly, right? Like yeah. so And and the suddenness with which it happened yeah, was was just so jarring. like in the first half
0: we're like we're coming back for game 7 at, at the Viv and halfway through the third quarter we're like season is over.
2: Yeah. Right. I mean it was it was insane. But yeah. anyway, so I'm, I'm glad that that was part of it. Real quick, I want to say, um, you know, when we asked Team PR about why they were going to Vegas, they said, hey, it was, you know, I asked in particular, did this have anything to do with the Zions Bank basketball campus's uh, redesign, repainting, whatever it is they're doing over there? And they said, no, that's all done and has been done for a long time. Then when Justin Zanuck talked about it this week at Media Day, he mentioned that it allowed them to put some finishing touches on the zions bank basketball campus i don't know what the truth is there i don't know you know we'll learn what the you know the practice facility changes really are beyond a new coat of paint i wonder how much that was part of the story as well yeah so i
0: i talked to someone about that and apparently they there were apparently some some last minute changes that they decided to put in place so (laughs) okay both sides like may have been like jazz pr may have been under the impression that like everything was good and then and
2: then more changes came yeah why are you doing last minute changes, bro? I mean, the the collective bro of the jazz, like <laughs> get all this done before now. I am not going to call anyone bro. <laughs>
1: Why would, right, I'll leave that to you. I want to get your guys' thought on. Do you think this will be now a trend as far as going to? I mean, obviously, we saw what happened with the NBA bubble. You know, a lot of players said that they like that they didn't like it for obvious reasons. But you can make the argument. Well, it brings people together. You're all at one place. Do you think this is something that we'll see? Maybe not necessarily just the Jazz, but other teams do in the future. Just have that. Okay, let's get away from everything. And-
2: I, I mean, other teams do do it, right? Like they're not a majority of other teams, but so there are scattered, uh, probably a handful around the teams, uh, a handful of the teams around the NBA that go to other places during training camp. I mean, Mike Conley talked about how they did it in Memphis a couple times. Lakers do it in other places. You know, like it happens, right? So. Yeah you know i I don't think that this will kind of affect a trend at all i think it will sometimes still happen for some teams in some years
0: yeah and much as quinn was talking about like replicating the the camaraderie that they developed in the orlando bubble like fundamentally it's just different because they were sequestered yeah in there for you know (laughs) for a long time and there was like nobody from the outside allowed in
2: and uh yeah, Vegas is not that. From a health and safety protocols point of view, they are exact opposites. Yes.
1: Yes. Can you believe it's been about almost just a year since the Lakers, you know, with with winning a title? It's just crazy to think that, like, it's just been just like almost a circle. Like, it feels like it's been longer. Yeah. And, you know,
2: know LeBron James became washed in that year. So it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That was just a shout out for Tony. But <laughs> we can cut that if we need.
1: How the season and the season is now upon us. Guys, let's move on to our next topic. Uh, Got to talk about Rudy Gay, and he was the primary addition at free agency for the Jazz uh, this off season. but fans won't get to see him in the preseason nor at the beginning of the regular season because he's still recovering uh, after having surgery on his left heel. So how does this affect or not really affect Quinn Snyder's plans when it comes to the start of the season?
0: Well, First of all, I can only assume that like Quinn thought that the information had already been disseminated by the team's PR staff because he brought it up unprompted that, you know, Rudy Gay was injured as we were talking to him on the last day of training camp in his media session. Like, yeah, you know, we haven't, we haven't had Rudy as a full participant because he's not cleared for contact yet. And we were just like record scratch, you know, say, say what now? And, um, oh, uh, Derek Garduno, jazz senior vice president of communications, will get you information on that. Uh yeah, apparently Rudy had some kind of heel problem uh at the at the tail end of last season, had a procedure done apparently in the immediate aftermath, and feet are tricky. And so I will say, like from what we were able to see of the jazz practices there, and you know, they let us in for like the last 10 or 15 minutes when they're just doing shooting. He wasn't in a boot. He was on the court doing shooting, so it's not like this was something he just had done and he's in bad shape and, like, is hobbling around. I think they're being cautious, right? And so I'm not terribly concerned. Obviously, you'd love to have him playing in the preseason games. You'd love to have him available from the outset of the regular season. They sounded very optimistic that this is going to be a short-term thing that they expect he'll only miss a few games.
2: On the other hand, that's a month. Yeah. Like, and had surgery during the offseason that they didn't tell us about? Like, what is, what is, I, I mean, I don't know. I, this is, I don't want to be conspiratorial about this. You know, probably the simplest answer is probably the right answer here that, I I don't know, there was miscommunication. How, how how is there a secret Rudy Gay surgery? I, 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 it's someone who, you know, it's job it is to follow this team. Just stuff like that frustrates me. But I do think that it matters. You know, I, I think, I, I think, because Rudy Gay, as Joel pointed out, is the most significant free agent addition to this team, you want to get him integrated into the lineup as quickly and as seamlessly as possible. Yep. And we know for from history that Quinn Snyder systems can take a little bit of time to fit in, right? Like we've seen that with, you know, sometimes we've seen guys fail to fit in at all. You know, Jeff Green at Davis being the obvious examples there. Sometimes we've seen guys just take some time, right? Mike Conley being the obvious example. Losing training camp, to me, I think hurts. And, you know, I think he's able to go through kind of the walkthrough portions of, of practice and shoot around, and that's good. Uh, but and, and I was obviously able to practice shooting and, like you say, didn't have a boot on. If he's not able to play in, like, kind of five-on-five scrimmages, though, I do think something is lost. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, this isn't a... I agree that I don't think this matters, you know, when we're talking in late season, you know, I I, I don't know that his heel will continue to bother him. But a he's going to be missing the next month or so, right? If if he's going to be missing a few regular season games. I mean, that's what that means is missing October, right? Like, if is, when well, when is regular season game one? I think the Jazz start October twentieth. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. So, so like, if you miss a few games at the beginning of the season, that's through. Okay, let's say it's October twenty sixth or whatever. You know, yeah, like sure. that means it's been a, a month of basketball since September twenty seventh when training camp began. It's not nothing. I guess I'll put it that way. You know, uh, the regular season is just a tune up for the playoffs, and you know, preseason is just tune up for the regular season. It's just the tune up. You know, it's it's all tune ups for tune ups for tune ups. But I think. If you are looking at the optimal way to tune up, this isn't it.
0: No, it's not optimal. But I'll reiterate what you just said. I think there is kind of a, you know, no one was coming out and saying on media day that the regular season doesn't matter anymore. You know, clearly the Jazz are not an organization that are going to just like, you know, r- we're not going to see them turn into the Lakers and just constantly arrest guys. We're not going to see anyone get like the the total Kawhi Leonard load management treatment but I do think there is a little bit more uh, of a lax sense of let's not, like, go overboard killing ourselves to get the number yeah. one seed. And so I also would play devil's advocate in saying I don't think the adjustment for what they're going to ask Rudy Gay to do will be quite as severe as, as the change of what Mike Conley agreed. needed Completely to do. agreed so. on that.
2: But I would also say, like, Jeff Green, we were bi- – you know, the Jazz were basically asking to do mostly Jeff Green things. Sure. And he still – like had a difficult time essentially figuring out where those could fit in into a relatively rigid system. You know, so I think that's that's potentially interesting. And you know, I you also want to teach Rudy and not that, you know, Rudy has done this with the Spurs for the last few years, but he will have to play multiple roles in the system, right? Like that's kind of the idea of Rudy Gay is that he's going to be a versatile player. And you know, so as much learning time as you can give him to play different roles in a Quinn center system, whether that be the four or the five different plays, playing with Jordan Clarkson playing, you know, all that kind of stuff. You would have preferred to see more of it than this will mean, but you know, it couldn't, it could mean nothing later on down the road and that's fine. It it might again, hinder things just a little bit.
1: Jazz begin preseason play on Monday against San Antonio. Let's move on to the next topic. So Andy, you recently had a piece talking about seven burning questions uh, that the Jazz would want to answer before they get tested again during the playoffs. So I just want to talk a little bit about that and just some of them, not all seven, but some of the key ones here. So the first one, you had mentioned that can the Jazz play small ball at times? Talking about Rudy Gay, he was... Probably going to be part of that as well, or will mm-hmm. be part of that as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about how ca- can they play small ball? Because in the playoffs, you know, maybe back th- you know, back in the day, it used to be more you get your ISO, get your big guy. Obviously, not so much nowadays, depending on which team. But what do you think the Jazz need to do?
2: Yeah, look, I mean, small ball killed them against the Clippers last year, right? Like the Clippers kind of s- played small ball... Uh, full-time or near full-time. And, you know, if the threes were going down or if they were getting dribble penetration, the Jazz were just burnt toast, right? So I I think one way to counter that, you know, obviously you've got, you just need to have better defense at the point of attack with Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. And, you know, as Joe Ingles pointed out at the, in media day, like having Rudy Gobert out there is going to be one of your best defensive options. It's not like the Clippers were attacking Rudy Gobert. They were attacking the guys you couldn't defend around Rudy Gobert, right? Whether that was Royce or Donovan or Mike or whoever, right? Jordan Clarkson deserves a big shout out there as well. But if you small ball and can switch everything, then maybe you don't have as much of that dribble penetration. And so it might be a look that you could go to for a few minutes at a time and kind of, again, get Rudy in situations where he can have the most impact rather than just being kind of one of five guys out there on the floor, even though he is a very, very good guy to have out there. That's kind of the small ball thing is it p- takes Rudy away from the paint, right?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, the the small ball lineup has been the topic du jour for a lot of the days since, since that Clippers loss. Um, and I think a lot of Jazz fans are honestly maybe a little excessively focused on it. Like, it's going to be a tool in the toolbox. It's not going to be something that I think we see tons and tons and tons of simply because Rudy Gobert is still a thing and they want to play him lots of minutes. So, I'm Andy Andy's looking at me sideways. I'm just no, gonna, I I'm just going to say like Rudy's going to play a ton still, but this is a good option to have at your disposal. So, obviously to our point earlier, having Rudy Gay not available right away hurts. I guess kind of how do you think they'll proceed in the interim? Do you think we'll see Eric Paschal get a shot at small ball five.
2: I kind of do. And the thing is, like, Eric Pascal's is more of a traditional big than Rudy Gay is, right? Like, yeah. just bigger body. He's actually not that good of a rebounder, but no. is can screen and roll in kind of a way that Rudy Gay is not used to screening and rolling. I, I, I think, yeah, he gets a shot. You know, I think... Ultimately, it's still smart to expect Hassan Whiteside to get a majority of the backup center minutes. But I, I just, I, you know, the reason I kind of nodded my head or twisted my head when you said that is like, look, if if the jazz want to, the jazz have to do something different. And it, I, I just don't think that health is enough. So I agreed. Like Rudy Gobert is is Plan A, but I think this regular season needs to be, to some extent, about significantly developing Plan B, Plan C, and Plan D, so that when other teams do throw different kind of attacks at you, you have a better plan than what you showed during the playoffs last year. And I think small ball is probably Plan C on that list, but like it would be. Good. And, uh, you know, if, if if Rudy Gobert is going to be on the floor in, in plans A and B, which I think makes sense, then I, I want there to be a plan B in which Jazz defend differently, whether that's switching one through five, even with Rudy, whether that's, you know, helping more at the point of attack. So you, you're, you know, maybe giving up different kind of looks, whether that's rotating, you know, I, I, I just think that the, the funnel to Rudy system is incredibly effective against most NBA styles. Um, is mathematically brilliant is also has an Achilles heel that we've seen the Jazz lose to in in you know this last playoffs. Yeah, you're not wrong.
0: Um clearly when the Clippers were deploying Terrence Mann out there, you know, as the as the nominal 5, uh we saw, you know, the the impact and the effect of that with 3 after 3 after 3 after 3. Let's say small ball is plan C. What's your what's your optimal Utah Jazz small ball lineup if uh say they meet that same Clippers team deploying the same lineup in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, you know, I think it's Rudy Gay at the five. Uh, and then Bojan, Royce, Mike, and uh Donovan Mitchell. I You know, I think you could you can throw Joe for any one of those other four guys. You know, it's Rudy Gay at the five, and then you've got six perimeter players to choose from for the four other spots. And that's good. So, you know, like... Whether you, If you need Jordan Clarkson out there for scoring, fine, but probably I'd rather have a more stout defender out there with a small ball lineup. And then Bogey versus Joe uh, versus Royce is, again, kind of personal preference and who you're matching up against and all that kind of stuff.
1: Continuing on with that small ball, could Jared Butler be ready to be a part of that small ball? Two-time All-American? Is he ready to play minutes? Andy, that was one of your questions there.
2: Yeah, you know, I think... uh, I don't think he will be a part of the playoff small ball, which is kind of what we're, you know, most focused on. But would I be surprised if Jared Butler was like part of some of the small ball lineups this year? No, because you know it makes sense if if those are the non Rudy minutes, those are also probably bench minutes to some extent. And Jared Butler, if he plays this year, is is going to be obviously off the bench. You know, it's interesting. There's been a lot of hype about what Jared Butler did in OTAs. The reviews on him have been extremely strong. In early practice sessions. I, I think people love Jared as a kid. People love Jared's ability to play. They've been impressed with his speed on the floor, is something we've heard. I'm encouraged. Then that being said, when we asked Quinn Snyder about Jared Butler, he said he's gonna have to be patient, right? And patience is gonna have to be key for him. So it's to me, I don't know that he has a role in kind of the front nine rotation. That being said, Mike Conley's not going to play 82 games this year. Donovan's not going to play 82 games this year. You know, like there are going to be opportunities for him to show what he can do.
0: Yeah. Both Jared and the fans longing for him to see some on court time are going to have to be patient for sure. Because yeah, I mean, Quinn made it clear. Like he is very much a nine player rotation guy. Uh, He's like, you know, if I'm playing Jordan Clarkson less than 24 minutes, I'm not using him correctly. If I'm limiting Joe Ingles minutes, I'm not using him correctly. So you simply run into a minute's crunch. But yeah, to Andy's point, uh, it's established at this point that that Mike Conley is probably going to miss some games this year. And maybe he'll miss some, you know, intentionally uh, from them holding him out back to backs again like they did last year. Yep. Maybe he'll miss some because a hamstring injury comes up again. Donovan Mitchell will probably miss some. Even Joe Ingles. Yeah, I mean, missed some games. So entropy in our universe. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to see Jared Butler at some point just because, yeah, all those things that Andy said are, are, you know, that's that's the buzz on him from both outside and within the organization. You know, we asked Donovan Mitchell, we asked Mike Conley on, on day one of training camp, you know, what are your thoughts on Jared Butler now that you've seen him up close and in person? And Donovan said, you know, watching him on TV, I was impressed, you know, what he did at Baylor. Watching him like on the court, like playing with him, like he did things that I didn't realize he could do. So, how much is that? Is you know, hyperbole? Him sticking up for his young new teammate, we don't know. But you know, these, I, uh, both of these guys made it a point to say he's like pretty advanced for, especially a,
2: a guy drafted at number forty overall. So I've heard things like that from sources who usually don't lie to me about quality of people in OTAs I guess I'll put it that way yeah so this it's not close you know like Donovan Mitchell in OTAs got so much hype and rightfully so because it turns out he was ready to score 20 points a game in the NBA in his rookie season right like Dante Exum got the opposite of hype everyone was like uh, oh, this kid's not really ready yet this is gonna be like a long road to hoe. you know like that Jared's not at the Donovan Mitchell hype levels but like we have heard good things yeah for sure
1: Let's hope to see good things, guys. Before we wrap up, let's just go quickly around the league. Let's try to beat the shot clock here. So, two topics. We'll hit them up pretty quickly. One, Kyrie Irving. We all know what's kind of what's going on over there, at Brooklyn. How does this? How does this play out? Does he? I mean, obviously, it's tough to to try to pr- predict. You know, if somebody's gonna you know take a COVID vaccine, but I mean, he's not gonna be able to play for Brooklyn in in New York. How is this all gonna play out? What do, What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's a wild situation because he, you're right, isn't going to get vaccinated. I don't think he obviously is not currently vaccinated. I don't think he's likely to budge on it. Can't play game home games as a result until either the New York until New York City changes its requirements or he gets vaccinated. And then obviously, you know, two weeks after the second dose is what we'd be talking about. And it's an impossible situation. And that's why you know the rumors that you've heard of Kyrie Irving being whispered about in trade rumors is true and you've also heard the rumors that if Kyrie Irving let the Nets know hey if you trade me anywhere else I'm going to retire and Kyrie's crazy enough to retire and walk away from a hundred million dollar paycheck you know so um it is in I think an unprecedented situation in the NBA I think uh quite frankly anything could happen from here I think probably most likely is that uh as we get basically he sits out a, a huge portion of regular season games, and it's a kind of ongoing conversation that we have all year long.
0: Yeah, that Kyrie situation and, you know, along the same lines of the Andrew Wiggins situation, it just fascinates me because, yeah, like, is Kyrie Irving going to blink? You know, the, the yeah. Nets are beyond all in at this point, right? Like, it's anything less than a championship for, this, for them this season is uh is, is going to be considered a failure, and not having your star point guard available to play half the season as it as it stands right now would be a disaster. You know, not that the Nets are unaccustomed to playing without star players at this point, but I guess I'm curious. You know, does he blink and and go ahead and get the vaccine, or does he wait it out and and just figure that you know New York City will be changing their standards at some point uh, soon enough for and not to be just a total wrecking ball to their season
1: and then last question ben simmons it seems like that's another standstill as well between philly and and the star player i mean what can even philly get now i mean we're so close to the season it, it just, he's not going to report it just feels like that's another impossible situation obviously for a different circumstance but do you go to portland and say give us cj and a couple of future picks
0: I don't know what you get for him at this point. Someone someone will make an offer that Philadelphia will eventually settle for because that's how this always yeah. plays out, right? Like it, it's never a thing where the guy winds up sitting out the whole season and the team is just like, "All right," because I mean, how many more years does he have on his deal? Four.
2: Yeah, I agreed, and you know, so, I think that is that's the one unique thing about well, two unique things about this is one that he has so long left on his deal, right? Like yep. so there is lengthy team control over the situation and part B the team in control is actually not paying the player in most of these situations, you know, like last year James Harden sits out, gets paid, you know, like Yep.
0: Yeah, as we're talking about this uh he was due like an 8 and a quarter million dollar lump sum payment today that the Sixers have told him is not forthcoming.
2: Right. And so that will I think a kind of put in some of the player union spices into it, and we'll see kind of how those negotiations negotiations play out. But it's now officially kind of a larger issue than what can the sixers get for Ben Simmons? Ah uh, what can a you know, what will Ben Simmons want to return? all that kind of you know it's it's now like a league wide issue at this point. What happens because it it is. You know, will affect future stars who want to do kind of the same thing. Or we, we've obviously seen this in the past, but it hasn't gone down this contentiously before, uh, contentiously before. And I think that's uh, it's going to be again, it's going to be interesting to see. One more, one more for you before we we wrap up actually on the Ben Simi- or on the podcast. Uh, we just learned that Justin James got waived, which is unusual. He was signed to a two way contract on September twenty second, waived on October first. Training camp probably didn't go well then. Apparently not. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, signing a guy to a two-way contract and then be like, well, yeah, that was a, that was a surprising signing
0: to begin with. And then I thought
2: it was really good two-way signing. I was like, Hey, Justin James, this guy scored 30 points in the M Like at least he's an NBA player, right? Like a lot of the, some of the two-way players that the Jazz have had are not NBA caliber players. I thought Justin James was potentially an NBA caliber player and he's gone a week later.
0: But he was certainly worthy of a flyer, right? Like, six six guard, another long body to throw out there in some of these small ball lineups potentially down the road if it comes to that. And yeah, for him to be gone that quickly is a little weird.
2: Yeah, I mean it wouldn't be unusual for like a training camp body to get waived quickly, right? Yeah, like, that that happens all the time. A two way guy is like, you know, it's not a huge investment, but it's not a nothing investment. You you know, those are two slots that you have that are likely gonna be on the NBA roster for a large part of the season. So Anyway, that's that's wild, but uh, we'll see who they fill the as a two way spots return. I don't know. As the world turns, is my is my go to metaphor here that I'm trying for. I uh, think that's trademarked.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, now but we have just to spell pay for the D A, and you could have <laughs> yeah. yeah, you yeah. Can do that. One.
1: <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for another episode, and let me remind you, the listener, that if you want to keep up to date with the latest jazz coverage. Always keep it tuned at sltrip.com sports. Catch up on everything that Andy and Eric are writing about. Also, let your friends know about the podcast. We're on every podcast format. And uh, if you want all access to our great coverage, from the jazz to our award-winning news, subscribe to the Tribune at sltrip.com support. Find us on social media. I'm at Sean Carones. I'm at Andy B. Larson. And I am at Trip Jazz. Thanks for joining us. Catch you later.